Hello everybody and welcome to Overwatch Now, your one-stop shop for all things Overwatch, both casual and competitive. My name is Music Man, and I'm going to be soloing it again because Dylan the Dude is on a much-deserved vacation for his time, spending time with loved ones, with relatives, all the fun stuff. So I'll be taking over for this week until Dylan the Dude gets back. Now... To start things off, quick shout out to Dude's Media Network for hosting not only Overwatch Now, but also other podcasts like Breaking the Lore and many, many more to come, uh, come here of, you know, over at Podbean. And yeah, let, why don't we get things started since it's going to be me, myself, and I, all three of us. So, first things first, the new patch note that came out this week that's already been a few days overdue, you know, overdue to talk about. And quite a few things happened, so... First things first, the new skin for Zarya got revealed, and it's a skin that's supposed to be dedicated to Sinatra, who is the MVP for the Overwatch League 2019 season. And, uh, yeah, no, it's an alien Zarya, but the gimmick is that she has a three-piece suit on. I personally don't know what to make of it. I thought it was pretty cool that Overwatch, in general, are making skins for the MVP of the Overwatch League. So, yeah, congrats, Sinatra, you got your own skin in Overwatch, even though you don't play the game anymore. It's, it's fine. It's totally fine. But what you're really here for are what heroes got changed. Well, if you paid attention to last week's episode, and if not, I recommend you go to it. So, the patches, the numbers, I guess, the patches that I went through... R4 Echo with the focusing beam being reduced from 20 meters to 16 meters. Genji's rework got, you know, went through, so now his shurikens deal 28 to 30 per shuriken. And uh, and the uh, secondary fire that cone has been reduced from 12, I want to say, degrees to 9 degrees. And the deflect can now be canceled manually and has a longer duration. So all that, you know, all that is just went through, as well as Hanzo's storm arrow where the damage increase goes from 60 to 70 points of damage. All that went through. However, instead of Moira's um, page going through, no, going through from the experimental card last time around, Arissa got a change into one of her abilities. A very, very minor change. And I say minor because I've, I've played Arissa since this patch went live, and I really don't notice much of a difference with this patch because of what they decided to do is increase the sound effects volume for the halt. So when you play Orisa and you throw in that halt ability, it it gives like an audio cue for not only when you shoot it, but when it's ready to grab and pull people to a particular location. They up that volume by, by a little bit, but it, it's not really noticeable to say the least. So yeah, I'm not really sure what to think about uh, that, but Maybe it's a good quality of life, maybe not. I don't think anybody is affected by it. I don't think anybody is hurt by it either. So, I just don't know what to think about it. But, moving on, there are a couple of things that did get changed on the competitive side of it with a competitive card. But, but why don't we start off with the latest competitive card to be added in the arcade mode for now. No, for now, at least. Competitive Open Queue Season 2 has begun. This game mode is you know, within the arcade. Is with, find this game mode within the arcade for roughly two, you know, two weeks. So last time they did this, it was it was kind of like a testing ground to 
tried to lower queue times for DPS because prior to the open queue, you had DPS queue times that were basically, whatchamacallit, they were 10 minute queue times. Some of them went to half an hour even, and some even went to a full hour. So if you're a DPS player, you do not want to be waiting that long just to play a game of Overwatch. So originally they wanted to do a rework of what to do, of what the composition should look like. And they reworked it by um, removing one of the tanks and substituting an extra DPS for that. So it was a single tank, three DPS, two support comp, which in the past it did work, but it was a very niche comp. Like this, that comp worked during the GOATS meta. And the whole purpose of that comp was to split the players from the GOATS meta. And teams like the Shangdu Hunters played it off perfectly and got their name because of it. But, but um, in today's day and age of Overwatch, I don't think it's viable. I think the idea got shot down because we haven't heard anything about it since. So, and so yeah, they're still trying to work around the 222 roll, no, roll log at the very least. We probably won't know anything about that more concretely until Overwatch 2 comes out. So, yeah, just something to keep an eye, keep an eye out, but not really loosely keep an eye out. I'll, no, I'll say. But, but the OPQ is back in the arcade mode, and after this, basically the next time we get to see it again is with the next season of competitive Overwatch. At that point, what's going to happen is that the competitive card for Overwatch, you're going to click on it, and it's going to be an option for normal competitive queue, which is the 222 roll lock, and the open queue, which is basically everything go there it goes. You're still only allowed one of each hero, but you can play six DPS if you want to, or six supports if you wanted to. No, two. All that is viable in open. Well, viable loosely, but all that is playable in open queue, not so much in the normal queue. Excuse me. Oh, that was weird. Anyways, now the next thing that is really important to no, to bring up is the priority requeue. So. In case you have this hasn't happened to you yet, sometimes what happens while queuing for a competitive ladder, you get the notification that you're in game, but after a full minute at the very least, it kind of kicks you saying that there's an error starting the game. Not starting the game. Um, nobody knows why that happens, but it is annoying and it causes people to requeue back into normal priority that they are which again if you're a dps player that means waiting 10 minutes to get a game only for it to drop and having to wait another 10, 10 minutes that is just frustrating they reworked that system for the time being where if that happens again then uh, then basically the next time you queue you're going to be put on a priority which does increase no or does a uh, decrease the wait times going into the next game. Next game. So what? So basically, what would happen is, if if 11 out of the 12 play, no, players were to queue up for ladder and they all get ma matched up, but one no, in a original 12v12 at least, and one of them drops for whatever re no reason causing the error, then the other 11 when they when they requeue, they requeue as the 11 and they're just waiting to fill in that last spot. Next spot. I think that's good of uh, Blizzard to do. 
you know, to do that. They probably should have done it sooner, but better late than never. And uh, yeah, that's basically it as far as the important stuff from the patch notes. Everything else is just new. It's just new uh, workshop updates to try to incorporate Echo a bit more. Not a bit more. But yeah. No, but yeah, so moving on now, we're going to go into the pro and semi-pro scene as what I like to call, no, call them. The reason why I call them pro and semi-pro is because oftentimes it actually involves the tier 2 scene. Like for example, we're going to go over some of the player changes that got, no, that happened. Good notes, no, for player cha no, changes. Um, we have three new players going into the the Overwatch League, and that is Kevster from Team Doge, Onigod also from Team Doge, and and QoQ, who I don't know who who uh, QoQ wa was from, but my guess is somewhere in the Chinese contenders or the APAC re the region for their cont contenders. I'm not fully sure on that quite yet. Yeah, there's really not a lot of info on it. But yeah, starting with the two players from Team Doge, Kevster and Onigod. They're both DPS players, and they both got signed to differing, uh, differing uh, owl teams, similar to Crimzo and Elibos. So, uh, Kevster got signed on to the LA Gladiators, and, and Onigod got signed on to the Dallas Fuel. Now, I'm am super happy. Regardless of what happens, I'm super happy that tier two team, that tier two players, found their breakthrough into the Overwatch. The league. I've seen a lot of Team Doge's play. No play. I think both of these players are just fantastic DPS players, and any team that picks them up would be lucky to have have them. I'm a little bit concerned when it comes to Onigod in particular because he plays hit scan and so does Decay. So unless we're seeing a meta shift into double hit scan, it's going to be difficult like choosing between Onigod and Decay because both of them are really good DPS play. No players. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, there. Now, another bit of good news as far as um, one of the teams, the Washington Justice, they have a new head coach in the Supreme. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure the team is looking forward to working with Supreme and trying to get some more wins under, the, under their belt. So, yeah, just congratulations to everybody that's gotten either a promotion or signed on to a pro team, and good luck. Now, the bad news, which I can't even say it's bad news because... Everybody saw this coming. Like, people were surprised that it took them this long to make an official announcement of it. And that involves Crystal. In the past, I said that Crystal is basically dropped from the Hangzhou Spark because of how he went MIA, like, a couple of matches after he debuted with the team. Well, a couple of days ago, at the time of this uploading, they announced, Hangzhou Spark announced that they have officially dropped Crystal from the te team and couldn't speak more of it because of the, I guess, some of the uh, legal issues surrounding, you know, surrounding it. Like, nobody, nobody knows the full story. The only people that know the full story are Crystal and the Hangzhou Spark staff. Like, I don't think even the players know, they know what's going on there. But, no, but still, it's like... It's tough. It's tough. I seriously hope that um, Crystal recovers and whatever is going on with him and his life. And his life. But yeah, no. Regardless, Hong Jiao Spark should be said to looking better now because they also got 
Now I got a new off tank from Never from it's somebody competing with Rhea. And yeah, so looking forward to seeing them play in their new match in their new set of matches. So now, speaking of matches, we're gonna we're gonna do my personal predictions for this this week's upcoming ma matches. And one thing that I do want to say is that there I don't think there has been a change to hero bands, mainly because if there was a change to hero bands, then they would have announced it on Monday and we haven't heard anything from it, or even late Sunday, and we haven't and we haven't heard anything from no, from it. So that so as far as everybody is aware, Echo, Tracer, Diva, and Brig are still banned. They're not allowed to be played in these upcoming ma matches, and probably not until the uh, summer showdown ha happening in a couple of weeks. But but regardless, let's move on to the predictions. First off, we have at 4 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on Saturday, June twentieth. We have Seoul Dynasty versus Guangzhou Charge. Now, by the time this episode goes live, I am fully aware that these matches would have already happened. So I'm making this disclaimer right now. The recording of this happened yesterday. That well, yes, yesterday of the day that this is up, not uploaded. So if it if this is uploaded by uh, three o'clock on Saturday, June twenty. No, 20th, 2020, no, 20, that means that I was recording this yesterday, Friday, June 19th, 2020, no, 20. Regardless, Seoul Dynasty versus Guangzhou Charge. I think that Guangzhou Charge are going to take this in a 3-2 fashion. The reason why I say 3-2 and not a 3-1 or a 3-0 is because, it's because Seoul Dynasty's strongest comp has always been the spam composition, and I don't think Guangzhou has a response to that just yet. However, I know that Guangzhou is a very, very strong team. So whatever, so whatever it is, they will work it out. And I think Guangzhou is also very adaptable as a team, as a team in the APEC re region. So it's going to be a very difficult challenge for them, for them, even more so for Seoul since they really only play that one type of comp. Like, get rid of spam, and you basically have nerfed Soul Dynasty to the ground. So, 3-2, Guangzhou Charge, that's my prediction. Up next, we have London Spitfire versus Chengdu Hunters. Now, I really haven't been seeing much of the Spitfire lately, no, lately personally. But I also know that both of these teams are on the struggle bus a little bit. So if I were to have to give this to anyone, I would say it's going to be a 3-1 in favor of Chengdu Hunters, main, mainly because of the experience factor there. I think Chengdu's experience as a team is going to trump London Spitfire. Like, don't get me wrong. London has a bunch of mechanically talented players. But in a game like Overwatch, mechanics are not everything. There are several several other factors in the game of Overwatch that needs to be considered when making a play. And this can be applied to your competitive ladder as well. Like you really need to work as a team in Overwatch to be able to do good. To do good. So 3-1 Chengdu Hunters. Moving on, we have New York XL up against Hangzhou Spark. Now I'm gonna give this a 3-0 to Hangzhou Spark because yes, Hangzhou got new players, but that also kind of makes them a little bit on the unknown side because we have no idea. I don't think we've seen Architect play, play yet, or at least I have. No, I haven't. 
and they just picked up a new off tank in QOQ. No Q that now that at the very least I haven't seen him perform at all, so I don't know how he's going to impact the team. He could make a big impact like Punk did to Boston up you know, uprising, or he could be the same, basically be Rhea 2.0. We just don't know. No, we just don't know. So for now, I'm giving this a 3-0 in favor of New York XL, who has been showing consistency thick and thin time and time again. Yeah. Now, moving on to the midday matches, at 3 p.m., we have the San Francisco Shock versus the Paris Eternals. This is a difficult one for me to call because Paris Eternal has looked super strong with Nico on the DPS. Now on the Hitscan DPS with Sparkle now being eligible to play in the Overwatch League. League. Paris has, I think Paris has been looking stronger than they have ever looked before. Before, so this is going to be a must-see map for uh, for Saturday at 3 p.m. At 3 p.m. However, this is also a testament to not only Paris's roster but how San Francisco responds because uh, because at this point San Francisco is looking good they're good they haven't played in a while but they won the main melee that was their most recent win which gave them three wins in the stand in the standings so this is basically a rematch from the main melee if I remember cor no, correctly okay no 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 I was thinking of another no another team but yeah no but yeah no yeah no this is definitely gonna be a three uh, a three two I want to say that it's going to be 3-2 going to San Francisco Shock, but it's going to be a close 3-2. Like, every every control is going to go all three rounds at 99 to 99, all three rounds. I'm, think, I'm thinking that the other map, I'm thinking that the hybrid and the payload map, that maps, those are either going to be full hold or they're going to go into extra round, no, rounds. 2CP is definitely going to go into extra rounds there. And from there, it's either going to be a full hold or they're going to complete, or San Francisco or Paris is going to complete the map, whoever's on the losing side. So it really, this is a must see match, like I've been saying. Looking forward to it. After that, we have Atlanta Rain versus Toronto Defiant. Atlanta has been struggling a little bit. Like, I don't think any of us can really deny that. So. So to speak. So, if I were to give my predictions here, I think this is going to be a three to one in favor of Atlanta. Like, yes, they've been struggling, but so has Toronto, and Atlanta has proven themselves to be a strong te team. They have a stacked lineup. The their issue, I think, it is really um putting in the Erster. Like, I know that that's a lot of things that people have been saying that even the casters have been saying. Just put in Erster, and you got. And you got this, or Edison, and you got, no, you got this, no, you got this. I keep, I keep on forgetting. I'm not good with names. Let me some slack. But, but yeah, no, the players that we haven't seen in a while on the Atlanta side, I feel like if they get playtime here, then it's going to be an easy 3-0. But until that happens, I'm giving it a 3-1 in favor of Atlanta. I do think that Toronto is going to take the control map, but not much else. No, but not much else. Moving on, we have the Los Angeles Gladiators versus the Houston Outlaws. This one, I genuinely believe that Houston has a chance. Now, I know, I'm biased. I'm a Houston Outlaws fan, uh, fanboy. 
I am fully aware of this fact. And I also know that they got 3-0 by Philadelphia Fusions last week. However, if you really pay attention to that map, that 3-0 means next to nothing when you think about it. Because, uh, because the way that uh, Philadelphia got the 3-0 is, is based off of little mistakes that Houston was able to capitalize on finally. And I think Houston has the roster that works for, you know, for them. Having hydration on the main tango over Muma, uh, sorry Muma, but uh, has been doing wonders for, you know, for them. Like, I really think that Houston has their lineup right now. And I think that Houston is going to take this to another game, uh, game five, to a game, not another game five, but Houston is going to take this to a game five and win that way. Three to two against LA Gla uh, Gladiators. That is my stance there. And before you call me out on my bias, I just want to let you know that I admitted to Houston losing the last few matchups the last, you know, the last few week, no weeks. I admitted that Houston is not a strong team. So when I say that you know, Houston, I think that Houston is going to win this matchup, call it a hot take, call it what you want. I am confident that they have the lineup to make this work. They have the lineup for this to actually come their way. Moving on from there, we have Dallas Fuel versus Vancouver Titans. This is going to be an easy 3-0 for Dallas Fuel. Like, Vancouver has had a lot of practice with each other by now, and that's great for them. But Dallas is another one of those strong teams that you really... They're, they're not going to give a second thought to, you know, to uh, Rafa stopping Vancouver, a brand new team, still in retrospect. So, Van Vancouver, uh, as much as I want to see them perform be better, I think that we're going to have that opportunity next season if the roster is still together. If, if Vancouver, most likely Vancouver is still going to be in the next season of Overwatch League. But basically, next season is when we can see Vancouver start to shine. It worked with Shanghai. It, wor it worked with Chengdu. It worked with a lot of teams that really hasn't had had a lot of practice together, but and I think that is gonna apply to Vancouver as well. So, so for now, 3-0, Dallas Fuel. Up next, we have our Sunday matches with the Guangzhou Charge versus the Hangzhou Spark. Easy 3-0 for the Guangzhou Char Charge, moving, moving on. And a lot of it is for the same reason because of why I give Guangzhou a 3-2 victory over Seoul. They're just that strong of a team, and Hangzhou kind of looks brand, brand new, so to speak. Like, they still need to find their dynamics and what works for them. So, 3-0 Guangzhou. Up next, we have Chengdu Hunters getting 3-0'd by Shanghai Dragons, the best team in the APAC region, without a, que not a question. So, and lastly, New York XL is getting 3-0, or New York XL is going to 3-0, you know, London Spitfire. Again, these are all basically the top teams up against the bottom te teams when you, think, when you think about it, or at least in my power rankings, which I'll get to in a moment. And then for that afternoon, we have the Boston Uprising up against the Philadelphia Fusions. I will admit, Boston has looked so so much better since they picked up Punk. And even then, like, yes, their plays have been questionable, but still, Mikey wasn't that ba bad when on his debut last, no, last week. Like, yes, they lost the map, 
but Mikey wasn't that bad in my opinion. opinion. So this is going to be a tough one for Boston Uprising. I don't think they're going to get the win, but I think it's going to be another game five. Unfortunately, it will go over to the Philadelphia Fusions here. So keep at it, Boston. Like you're you're almost there. You can almost edge out a you can almost edge out a win. You yeah. You just need to work at it. Huh? Uh, all right, keep practicing to get together. Keep on playing, playing how you've been, not how you've been, and you'll get a win eventually. Just not against these top tier teams. I'm sorry to say that. Up next, we have Los Angeles Valiant versus Florida Mayhem. This one, I think, is going to go to Florida. Florida is just one of those nerf please type teams. BQB, Yaki, Gargoyle, Faye. Fade, even a Gangnam Jin, like all those players are just phenomenal players. And yeah, it's really tough to take down to those teams. Like very few teams have done it before. However, Valiant is also a very strong team to keep an eye out for. So I'm thinking it's going to be a 3-1 in favor of Florida. And it's going to be a close 3-1 as well. Like I could say that's going to go the distance, but I think Florida is going to deny that. And lastly... We have the Washington Justice up against the San Francisco Shark. Easy 3-0 for San Francisco. Washington right now just... Washington just doesn't look good. Like, with all the roster cha changes, with everything that's been happening with the no, org, they still need to uh, recover a bit from all the things that, ha things that happened. But at least they have good players now. Now, not to say that any player on the... No, on the Justice roster is bad, but now they look somewhat better on paper. Not on paper. Like I still believe that Elevode was a good off tankful no, for the Washington Justice to pick up. It kind of sucks that he's not with the team anymore, but still, no, uh, but still, I'm just looking forward to seeing all these team, no, teams just all these players play. However, San Francisco Shock tried and true, gonna get 3-0 over Washington ju no, Justice. So. Yeah, that's going to be it for this week's predi predictions. And now it's time for me to give a brief update for my power rank the rankings as soon as I load it up. But yeah, so this time this format is going to be a little bit, uh, excuse me, different because I decided to, oh, I'm sorry. First off, I apologize. I Earlier I said that, um, Echo and Tracer were the band DPS. It's actually Echo and Sombra. That is completely my no, my bad. My mind just derped and I thought it was Tracer. But anyway, so back to the power rankings. I decided to split the power rankings between the NA region and the APAC region since we're not going to be seeing the two regions collide anytime soon. And with basically all of COVID, all of the Overwatch League being online due to COVID-19. Still, it, we're just not going to see that, ha that happen. We're probably going to get two separate uh, playoff ma net matches, similar to how the main me melee and probably the summer showdown tournaments are going to you know, work. So it's really difficult to just get all the players together. Like, we... No, I'll take that back. We might see, like, the top six from NA moving on and the top two from APAC moving on to playoffs and just all meet he here somewhere. But as of right now, I don't see that happening. But anyways, so from the NA regions, 
currently what I currently what I have is in number thirteen for the NA. Because remember, there are only thirteen teams in the NA region and seven in the APAC region to make up the full twenty for the Overwatch League. For number thirteen, I have the Vancouver no, Titans. No big surprise there. For number twelve, I actually dropped the Washington Justice there. No, there, not because of how bad they look, which they do look like they're struggling, but more because of who I have for my number 11, which is Houston Outlaws. They have shown significant improvement, in my opinion, since since they changed up their main tank. Like it, I think it literally has been the main tank difference for the team to actually do you know, do better. I don't think it's enough to take down Toronto or Boston, or Boston, who are the next two that I have up. I'll explain in a bit. Not a bit, but I do think that Houston looks better for never now. Anyways, and number ten we have Toronto. I have Toronto. Uh, Toronto again, not because of their them being a bad team, but because I believe that Boston has looked significantly stronger than they have ever been before this season. This season, like taking it to game fives is one thing. Taking it to uh, to. Uh, Match sevens is another thing, but they've been getting more game five, five and they've been keeping it close all this time. So I'm proud of that team, team, and all of that, and and all that. So I do think that they now deserve the number nine spot in the NA region. And now we have the my number eight pick, which is the Los Angeles Valiants. Not really much change from where they were in retrospect. Then we have a number seven, the Dallas Fuel. Might be looking a little bit stronger with oh, no only God. We'll just have to see if he debuts this weekend. Then the LA Gladi Gladiators. I don't think much has changed with that team. The team like good luck to Kepster if he gets play played. If not, it's no big deal. Um, now moving on to the top five. Quick disclaimer for top no, for top five in the NA region and top four in the APAC region. Or no, top three in the APAC region. All of them can go any direction, really. But for my number five in the NA region, I have the Atlanta Rain dropping a bit to the Florida Mayhem because of how bad they've been struggling the past couple of weeks. No weeks. Like, it sucks, but at the same time, you hate to see it. So, Atlanta dropped to number five for me, bumping up Florida to number four. Florida has just been on a tear recently. Like I'm really proud of that team. No team from being one of the lower ranking team teams in season one to now being a top contender. I'm just nothing but happiness for that team. No team. Number three, I have the Paris Eternals, and I could have I could have put them at number two. I'll admit that right now. I could have easily put Paris Eternals at number two, with how Nico and Sparkle played. And even just for the rest of the team, there was so many, there were so many things that could have just made me say, "Yep, this is a, this is easily a top contender for that number one spot with Philadelphia and San Francisco." But I'm putting them at number three because San Francisco has been more consistent after being the same lineup effectively for so long, and Philadelphia still has only one loss to their name. To their name, and until those either of those features of the teams change, that's basically going. They're going to secure that top the top two spots respectively, with San Francisco at my number two and Philadelphia at my number one. 
Now for the APAC region, the only change that I have is that I dropped the London Spitfire from the number four spot to the number to the number five spot because of how strong Soul Dynasty looked in the spam composition. Again, they have the strongest spam in the game, and I don't think it's any. And I think it's because um, really that's the only comp that they know how to play. It's the only comp that Gesture is most comfortable at. Marvel can really play whatever, but but um, yeah, that that is also a big detriment because there's probably a big margin there. But aside from those two, I have Hung Zhao at seventh place simply because of all of their struggles that they've been going with. Then Cheng Du again struggles, but less. No, but less of the, uh, the interpersonal struggles and more of just they haven't really looked good in my opinion. So, no, so to speak, I could be wrong, but no, uh, but we're about to find out that uh, this uh, upcoming set of matches. And then for my number three in the APAC region, Guangzhou Charge. I think they're no, they're good, but not that good. I think New York Excelsior has them beat in my number two spot. Spot New York has just been. The most consistent between, really across all of the, um, not all of the APAC teams, they've been they've shown the most consistency, only being bested by the best team in the APAC region. In the APAC region, you cannot change my mind about this. The best team, the number one team in APAC, is the Sh is the Shanghai Dragons. And I don't even need to say anything. Just watch any of their VOD, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Any single one of their VODs, whether it's you know, whether it's Shanghai versus New York versus Seoul versus Guangzhou versus London, pick one, and you'll see why Shanghai is the best team in the APAC region. Understand? Understanding definitely show for uh, for it. But uh, yeah, with all that said and done, that is going to actually wrap up. All, now, all the things that we're going to talk about for, now, for this week's episode of you know, Overwatch. Now, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for Deuce Media for host, you know, hosting us. Be sure to give them a follow on Twitter at Deuce the Media Network. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, next week hopefully we'll have Dylan the Duke come back refreshed and ready to go, uh, go from his vacation. And be sure to tune in next time for more Overwatch Now. Have a good night, guys.